I'm Helen Rabello. Welcome to the Turning Point Project. I believe that when you face a big transitional moment in life, you have to learn how to transcend your fears and honour the process, even if it gets messy in the middle. In this project, inspiring conscious creatives and entrepreneurs share their stories about how they used a turning point to move from a life that didn't fully fit to living in a more intentional way despite the messy bits. May these stories inspire you to trust your turning points and take a step forwards through your messy bits towards your more magical life. Today's conversation is with Dr. Andrea Pennington, a woman with many, many accolades, many experiences. She's an integrative physician, acupuncturist, meditation teacher, media specialist and founder of Innate Vitality. She's a best-selling author, a TEDx speaker and a woman who has really experienced both the depths of life and the heights and the magic of life. She shares some incredible insights that I'm sure you'll be able to relate to, as well as really sharing how she transcended her sense from the very beginning that she was a misfit and how she managed to find her way home to herself and find a sense of peace and acceptance and self-love. You're going to love this conversation, so get comfy and enjoy. I've got one of my very favorite women in the world with me, who I am absolutely honored said yes to contributing and sharing her wisdom because she has a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and experience to share. And um, yeah, Andrea Pennington, thank you for joining me in this virtual space for this project. Mm, It's such a pleasure. It really is. It is a pleasure to connect with you. I always enjoy connecting with you. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Well, likewise, absolutely. 100%. This is an this is not just an honor, but it's a joy for me. I always come away from our conversations feeling fill up. It's great. Yeah. It's great. So, um when I invited you to participate in this project, did you have any particular turning points come immediately to you? <laughs> what, what made you say yes? Oh my goodness. This is a tough one because there are so many. Yeah. Um, as you know, as a publisher, I help people also look at their turning points so that they can figure out which stories they want to tell in their books. So I have this process of creating a timeline of life events to really hone in on the turning points that impact our development and our evolution. And so I've got a lot of them. I know. I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) I think probably I can focus in on the ones that have been surprising. There have been a couple in the last few years that are shaking things up, if I might say. Yeah. So they've shifted you from one paradigm to another, effectively. Exactly. Exactly. 
so can you take us take us back in time <laughs> and give us an insight yeah where you were well for 34 years uh, I was kind of bumbling along in life feeling a little sad melancholy not quite like I fit in um, though I did a lot to try to fit in mm. um, as you know my father's influence very early on in life was all about education it's like get a go get that degree get a job you'll have security and that was his paradigm and it made me feel like I need to focus I need to get good grades and and all of that and I did so that I could stay in his good graces mm -hmm. and get his approval and on the side I did all the things that I loved like the arts um, singing playing the piano playing the trumpet acting all of that stuff was the really fun stuff yeah. But I pretty much had this deal with my dad that I had to get good grades in order to keep doing all the extracurriculars. But the thing about my dad's influence was he grew up in um, Tennessee in America. Yeah. And in Tennessee, this is a place known for country music and bluegrass. And so he'd grown up seeing a lot of great musicians and stars and a lot of people around him who wanted to become stars. But didn't yeah and so his his experience told him that hey it's only one in a million who really makes it yeah. so every time he saw me trying to do all this artistic stuff he would like get this look and this sound of disapproval that came through the phone lines so I learned I had to kind of hide or suppress parts of myself and and so I mean of course looking back now I can recognize that the reason I didn't feel like I quite belonged was because I was seeing in the outside world people who were able to like focus and go down one single path and that wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just never felt like I fit in, but I did everything I could to try to get good grades, fit in, be accepted. But when I hit 34, I had, I had been living that really high grind life of achievement and perfectionism all the while kind of suppressing my innate desire to emote and yeah. to create. And in fact, every time those little urges would come up, I wasn't consciously aware, but I would start to feel this guilt or this shame, like, oh, there I go again, like dispersing my energy, doing all these things. But when I got to age 34, I had gotten the medical degree, finished my, my internship, started a medical practice. And at the same time, I was on TV with Discovery Channel. And at that point, there wasn't really much else I needed to do to check off that list. I had yeah. reached kind of the pinnacle of success. I had published my first book. I was, you know, kind of quasi famous in America. And I was miserable. Yeah. I was yeah, just miserable because I had felt that continual drive to search for acceptance and approval that went from my father eventually to the medical association, like the American Medical Association. You know, we have to do this, 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 and this. Yeah, it's a whole new set of rules, isn't it? Exactly. And in order to be accepted by them, I, I struggled because, as you know, Chinese medicine was something I was introduced to in my fourth year of med school. Yeah. 
And practicing as an acupuncturist, it was confusing for people. It's like, well, what are you? Are you a Western doc or an Eastern doc? You know, what is it? And again, it was that feeling like, gosh, I'm just not being accepted for me. I have to either play one side or the other or hide something. But there came a moment when my father was, this is one of the turning points. He, my father was visiting me in um, the Washington DC area where I had had this beautiful home. And um, I bought the house from these two men who were both artistic in different ways. And they had created this beautiful garden that surrounded my property. And each section was like a different room. So we had an English garden, and then we had this tulip garden, and in the backyard, we had a Zen garden. Oh, and it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. Now, I didn't grow up with a green thumb. That was more my mother's thing. But to maintain this garden, um, I had hired the guys across the street who had a landscaping business who had grown up watching this garden be built over the last 10 years. Yeah. So I'm standing there with my dad, and... I'm kind of like feeling proud, you know, at this point, my business had just reached almost the 2 million mark. So I was the wow. first millionaire in our family and we're standing in the back porch and he's kind of holding his coffee cup, looking over the garden and he kind of had this scowl on his face. Oh my goodness. And it was like, well, how do you, how do you make sure the fish don't die in that pond over there? And, and what about the pump in that pond? And you know, what about these oh gutters? Like that tree, that's probably filling up your gutters full of leaves and pine needles. And, and so I'm kind of standing there. I went from this feeling of kind of pride to, oh God, I just felt like a kid again being nitpicked. Yeah. And at first I'm like, well, dad, it's, it's pretty easy. You know, Al across the street, he comes every week and he services the pond and he trims this and that and they clean the gutters. I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, yeah, I don't have to do that myself. I hire someone, you know, modern woman. <laughs> and then he kind of just looked around and he said, why can't you just get a job at a hospital? What? Major turning point. And that was when I realized I will never have that complete acceptance yeah. and approval because in the paradigm that he grew up in, that's what the goal was. Get a job, get an education, get a job with a pension. Yeah. You'll have security and you'll be fine. Yeah. And here I had surpassed everyone in our family was doing, but that was the first time that I realized, oh my God, I've been striving for all of this approval and acceptance and validation and I will never get it. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the first time I also admitted to myself or started to really put together these feelings of, I mean, I didn't feel like I was ever good enough. I always felt like there was this need to like strive for more. I never felt like um, okay, let's just chill. Let's relax. Let's enjoy the fruits enjoy, of labor. Yeah, very much so. It was not that. It was like, okay, what's next? What am I missing? And that that internal drive kind of turned into this anxiety, mm. such that at night, you know, I wasn't like peaceful. I was always having my mind going, 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 and I started to really struggle with depression. 
Now I'd had depression earlier in my life. Again, that sense of feeling not good enough, like I don't belong, had kind of followed me in my teenage years and in medical school. But this was the first time that it just became like this heavy weight because I think it was the two things, like putting together the realization that there's not much more I can do. Yeah. It's like this hopeless kind of darkness, like, oh my God, I've done all this. I can't really see what else I could do. <laughs> you know, I'd already reached yeah. what the outer society might have called everything you'd want for success. And it was this kind of sinking feeling like I am just never going to be good enough. And so the depression and the anxiety got to a point where I, ooh, I was struggling because I was also, you know, as a medical journalist and hosting these documentaries for Discovery Health Channel, I was, I had to be on. Yeah, I was going to say, you're having to put a face on. Exactly. And you're really in the public eye. Exactly. On stages, I was anchoring the health news breaks. So it's like you put on the smiley face, you, yeah, yeah. you turn it on and shine. And that's the first time I also realized that um, there was this sense of, how could I really describe it? It was just this sense that I was kind of a fake, like I was a fraud, like there, it just, it, it started to drain me. Like in the beginning, for example, being on TV and doing the news, it was like my acting days, like, oh, it's just a script. Okay, I'm a doctor on TV and I'm, but then there came this moment where I realized this is just fake. Like I'm just reciting these scripts, mm. but I'm not really sharing like my truth. Because mm. um, at this point, after being in, in medical practice for a while, I was starting to realize that the Chinese medical system which brought such deep wisdom, as you know, yeah. this five elements about how that impacts our health and, and, and our ability to respond uh, to disease and to our treatments. But I wasn't safe. I didn't feel safe. And I wasn't invited to share these deeper insights yeah. in the work I was doing in a public way. Because again, there was still sort of this bias, like, well, just because the Chinese have been doing it for thousands of years doesn't mean that it's real. You know, where's the science? <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. I can relate to that. Ugh. So I felt like there was this, this dichotomy between who I was being on camera and on stage versus who I really am inside. Mm. And I mean, it's an existential crisis that many people go through. I know I'm not unique in that. But there did come a moment where I just was, I was, I was spiraling downward yeah. towards a sense of rock bottom. And the next turning point came in 2005. I um, was invited to go on this trip to the Mediterranean. And I, um, I said yes. Uh, this friend of mine, a physician in America, had organized these continuing education retreats for doctors and lawyers. And it was like, go to exotic, beautiful places on a cruise ship so you can get your education credits during the day and then party and then visit beautiful spots. And so as I was flying into Barcelona, I decided that I didn't want to go as Dr. Andrea Pennington, who was the medical director, blah, 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 this TV person. I decided I was going to be Drea, the artist. <laughs> And the funny thing about the law of attraction and the law of manifestation is that people started 
to respond to me as if I was some kind of a superstar. Oh, wow. <laughs> and of course, Helen, at the time, Discovery Health Channel was not distributed in Europe. You know, it wasn't like that cable TV phenomenon of today where you can get all these American channels. So I was kind of like, how are these people acting like they know me? They can't possibly know me. And yet they were acting like I was a superstar. So I get to um, the French Riviera. I'm in Saint-Tropez at this very sexy, chic beach party. And I meet this guy who tells me he's a DJ. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a jazz singer. And he says, oh, well, that's cool. You should come with us to the next party. I know the other DJ there and I can get you in. And, you know, you can sing. So I was like, oh, yes. Like, I really <laughs> wanted to step into my artist self. So I went to this party. I'm up there in the DJ booth. I've got the mic. I'm singing this little jazzy riff to this beautiful kind of house electro music. The crowd is just jamming, dancing. And I am feeling literal bliss. Like it was that euphoric flow state where I was truly in my element, being me. And I felt like they were receiving me, accepting me as my authentic self. And I went home, back, well, back to my apartment in Cannes in France. And I wake up the next morning thinking, what just happened? Mm. Like last night, I felt like the most me, the most real me, and I'm totally accepted. There was no need for any long introduction or long bio of who I am. It's just like people just got it and accepted yeah. me. Show up, show up and sing. Exactly. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. And so I, I kind of like was in this revelry and then it hit me. In two days time, I got to go back home. Mm. Back to my wellness center with all these people depending on me. Back to that media career where there was this very boxy, yeah. almost a one-dimensional image yeah. of Andrea. And that's when the depression kind of just like, it was like a welling up of this dark ick feeling. And... I, I lost it. I started sobbing, crying my eyes out, feeling like I can't do this. I can't, yeah. I can't go back to that. Yeah. And that was when I, I called out to God. I mean, I knew I did not want my life. And I also knew I, I wasn't suicidal or anything. I knew I couldn't take my life. That was against my spiritual beliefs but I did know that I did not want my life in the way it was. Mm. And I called out to God and I said, take it, take my life, take my business, my talents. Cause I clearly don't know what I'm doing over there. I'm this boring Dr. Andrea over here. Andrea. I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And as I was like crying and flung myself onto the bed, just shaking and shaking all of a sudden, my body kind of melted into the bed. And that's when I saw this light, this Whoa. intense bright light. And at the time I'm kind of squinting and opening my eyes to try to find the source of this light. And I'm thinking it's con, the sun is already up. It can't get any brighter. But I realized that it was not from outside. The light was in here. It was in my head. 
and I was being drawn out of my body into this light. And that was when I was like, oh, snap, God's answering my prayer. I literally thought God was taking me. Yeah, yeah. Because I was pulled into this light and I, I kind of reached this state of just peace. Now, I wasn't scared, thank God. I was just completely in bliss. I entered into a state that I call oneness mm. because I felt that I was one with everything that is. It was just love, joy, bliss, peace, happiness, calm. I don't know. There aren't even enough words. And it was at that moment that I realized, wow, I'm gone. And then I felt the presence of this guide. And that's when this life review, it was as if I was standing with this guide and this life review flashed in front of my eyes. And I saw every single choice and decision and step I had taken from childhood to that point when I was 34. Yeah the conscious subconscious and influenced choices I made. And so it instantly, it's just like, boom, I totally understood why I was depressed. It just made, it was like obvious. Yeah. And it was at that moment that I kind of, I didn't have to actually speak, but I sort of said to my guide, you mean I could choose? Mm. Like I understood that, Oh, I had the power to choose even though I was a kid and I was being coerced and bullied and whatever we have the, the, the choice. And that's when um, my guide sort of showed me this, this glowing ball of love and light. And then I saw these little droplets of light. That's us. We are this light essence, God consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And as each drop of God consciousness, our soul enters into the human body, it's up to us as a soul to start choosing consciously mm. who we will be, what we will do, and, and how we will live. It's not up to our religion, our family, our school system, society, government. It's up to us. Mm. And again, it was this instant knowing of, wow, I can choose. And that's when I kind of like said to my guide, oh, well, if you're saying I can choose, then I'll go back. <laughs> yeah, can I stay, please? <laughs> Which is kind of funny. It's like, why didn't I want to stay? I mean, I was already in bliss, but I guess it was what I felt looking back now. It was like, you mean I could have chosen all along? How cool would that be? And that's when I saw this vision unfold of me living on the French Riviera, walking along the beach with a child which was a little weird because I was single at the time and I was thinking I'm getting a little old here uh -huh. um, I also saw that I was singing professionally wow and I was healing with my hands <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only thing I was like really god you're gonna make me into one of those woo-woo doctors <laughs> <laughs> but everything else looked good so I was like okay I'll take that life and that's when I came back into my body and that ugly, icky, black feeling of depression, totally gone. Just gone. Wow. 34 years of feeling depressed, anxious, sad, miserable, lonely, gone. Just like that. And that was the major turning point for me that 
allowed me to shift and change the direction of everything in my whole life. Yeah. That is absolutely huge. Wow. Thank thank you. I mean, I've heard I've heard little elements of that, before, <laughs> but I don't think I've heard it quite in that way and um you won't be aware of this and anyone listening to this won't be aware of this because they only get to hear it. But because I have the pleasure of being able to see you the whole time you were telling me that part of your story, I could see your aura glowing around you. Oh, are you serious? I just got, I am completely serious because I, I wouldn't say otherwise. Seriously. Yeah. Amazing. So, so you go through this, completely life shifting transformational huge experience with like you couldn't get two more extreme states (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) that is a very classic yin and yang situation but then you come back into your human body yeah and how how did you find the courage to then actually you know, when you're back in the real world, it would be really easy to dismiss that as, you know, you'd entered some kind of delusional state or something like that. How did you stop your, that aspect of your head that had followed all the rules, talking yourself out of actually taking action and doing something to move into this new direction? It's interesting you bring up the word courage because for me, uh, I was already at rock bottom. I didn't want my life. Mm. So, and I didn't see a way out. That's why I said, God, take my life. Because I couldn't see, you know, that's, a, that's the crazy thing about depression is it, it warps our thinking and it warps our vision. And we get this weird tunnel vision, like there's no yeah. way. It's like having black walls around you, isn't it? Yeah. And so when I was shown that vision and I felt that bliss and I felt the presence of God, you know, whatever I thought of God before that, it was like, I know God now. (laughs) So for me, that kind of trumps everything. Um, I instantly started making changes in my life because I, because I'd seen the vision and the vision seemed so true. It was like, Oh, that's my future. So I might as well prepare myself just like, in the past when I thought I was going to be a doctor, well, okay. So I went to university and I studied pre-med and it was just like, you just do those things because yeah, that's, that's the path. Yeah. I guess you already had that, that pattern exactly of being an action taker and just being able to d- dig in and get on with it and do the work. I mean, it did take, it did take some time. Um, I didn't, I didn't instantly move to France um, there were, there were some periods of time that I had to, first of all, I did think it was a little strange that I'd had an out of body near death like experience yeah. because I, I had never heard of anyone having that outside of brain surgery or uh, having a heart attack or being in a coma. Like I wasn't injured. So it, it I started researching near death experiences. I started researching out-of-body experiences. I started learning about other cultures, um, shamanic rituals, all these things, but I'm realizing that people around the world have had experiences like these. And these awakenings, these revelations and epiphanies are actually not as rare as I would have thought they were. Yeah. 
It did take some time though, because at the, again, I guess the only thing that my rational mind was thinking was, okay, if I move to France, how am I going to support myself? Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't, I knew then I, I didn't want to be a regular doctor. Um, and even being a doctor over in France, I would have to go through more training to, to get the reciprocity of the license, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Definitely. That wasn't attractive to me, but I was fortunate to, um, to have gotten a contract as a uh, spokesperson for a medical product. And it was a really juicy contract that only required a week of my time, but the payment was about a year's salary. Wow. Uh, well, a, a year of money to live off of in yeah. France while I, I figured things out. And I happened to have you know this mentor friend who told me, go you love France so much. You've been visiting there. And wh why would you even stay here? You have the money, go. Yeah. <laughs> and by then my daughter, who I did um, give birth to and who you've met, of course, she was only four and a half at the time. So my friend was thinking, look, you can go for three months or three years. Your daughter's little. If you want to come back to America, you can always do it. Yeah. And, you know, this woman is a a former federal prosecutor and she's, you know, in her sixties. And I was like, gosh, she's like, the, in my world, she was always the voice of reason. So when she told me that I could just pick up and leave, it was like the final permission slip I needed. <laughs> and so I did. And now I've been here eight and a half years and I'm so grateful, just oh, beyond grateful that I made that move. So people say, oh my gosh, that takes so much courage to, unplug from my media career, leave a country where I knew people and I was known with a child to come to a country where I wasn't known and I didn't have any friends or family. But it didn't feel like courage to me. It felt like this is what I must do. Mm -hmm. It was already shown to me in that vision. It's what my heart has always been sort of leading me toward. So it just felt like it was the most natural and right thing to do. I didn't I didn't feel like I needed courage. Yeah, that's great. I, thank you for sharing that because um, I, I guess I asked that because I know from so many conversations with women, that's one of the things that would have popped into their head. But of course, what you were effectively doing is you were just stepping into a future you already knew was going to unfold for you. Yeah. So there's that sense of release being able to just yield knowing you know it's like you've you've been gifted that glimpse of something that felt so right how could it how could it not happen <laughs> you know? yeah. wow yeah so i was lucky that that contract was there that uh, my friend happened to just speak so forcefully like girl get up and go yeah. um you know, there were those little milestones along the way that really helped me make that decision. Yeah. So, so where are you, where are you now? Look, how does it feel to be doing, well, doing, living where, living where you are? <laughs> this is my happy place. I'm, I'm back in Cannes, living on the French Riviera. It's been eight and a half years. My daughter is thriving and doing really well. We're very happy here. And it's interesting, when I first moved here, because I had that vision, I did start singing. 
I ended up meeting up with some musicians and DJs. And so I did a little bit of jazz singing on the Riviera and then stopped it in around, I guess, 2013 or something. And just uh, as you know, I ended up moving back into the media, um, doing, starting a publishing and media production agency, getting back on stages, doing a Ted talk and, and, Life just started unfolding with the, the, the growth of this new company. But there was another turning point, a much more recent turning point that just, um, just happened last month. That, whew, once again, like so many signs, um, there's a, a very lovely man that you know and I know, Nicholas Haynes, mm-hmm. the founder of the Five Institute. And each year, as you know, he hosts this webinar to explain what the five, which Chinese element yeah. and um, zodiac symbol is yeah. influencing us for the year. And since following his work and, and dialing into the Chinese New Year, the messages, yes. it has completely changed my world. Like for the last three years, it has transformed my life and my business. Because after being here, the first few years in France, I was just getting settled finding the right school system for my daughter, doing a lot of qigong and meditation, just really nourishing me after the the breakup with the United States. And then as I started to feel this yearning to like get back out there to speak and to write, um, things just started to blossom, but I didn't really know like what I was supposed to do with it. And so listening in on one of Nick's uh, webinars a couple of years ago, boom, I got some insight. And each year it has. This year, as he was sharing, um, he talked about this end of this 12-year cycle and looking again at these turning points and these messages from the, from the elements. And the, the most, okay, so we're, we're, we are recording right now in 2019. One of the things that Nick said was to go back to 2012. Yeah. the year of the water dragon and find out what that dragon's message from the heavens was for us. And so I did, I went back to my journal and looking through to kind of see what was bubbling in my consciousness. What was I feeling really motivated and inspired to do? There were two things that popped up. One of them was singing. Yeah. And the other one was a documentary film that I really, after that awakening and after doing all this exploration and near-death experiences and shamanic stuff and researching people all over the world, I really felt inspired to create a film to not only tell my story of how I overcame depression and anxiety through this spiritual awakening, but how other people in other cultures have also gotten to this place of real self-love and real self-knowing. So those were the two things. And the thing that Nick says is like, you may have gotten those messages in 2012 and hopefully you did something about them. But if not, then this year, 2019, is the time to bring all of you to the fore. Get in there, get your hands dirty if need be, but it's time to really manifest what you've been given. And it was one of these these epiphany moments because over the last two years, I've been getting kind of knocked upside the head with messages about singing, like, Andrea, why aren't you singing? You're supposed to be singing. And I've been writing, I've been, you know, kind of doing some music on the side, but not bringing it to the public. It's just like, for me. But last year, I really got inspired to bring a song 
that came as a result of that, that period in 2005. Sorry to backtrack, but I, in in 2005, after singing in Saint-Tropez and having that epiphany, my last city was Barcelona. And while I was in Barcelona, I also sang in this nightclub and met this incredible musician, performer, singer, songwriter. Her name is Marichelle. And after she got off stage, I, I literally just went over to her and I wanted to like bow down like, wow, that was amazing. And her English was really, really good. I knew she was Spanish, but her English was like so perfect. We're like, where, are you, where do you live? And turns out we lived not 30 minutes away in Maryland, in the DC area. And so we like, we did this pinky swear that we would get back together in the United States and, and collaborate or whatever. And sure enough, in 2009, um, I ended up writing this song about self-love. Um, and it was really, it was as it was coming through me, I really felt like this could be the anthem for women everywhere to learn to really love themselves. And I asked her to help me out with you know, a couple of lines in the song. We did, we recorded that song. She sang, um, she was supposed to sing one verse in the studio. But when she came, she was in a little bit of a rush. She had a gig. So she ended up just looking at the the lyrics on her smartphone and she sang the whole thing. And as she was in there, I looked at the producer and I was like, I don't want to follow that. Like (laughs) her voice was just so beautiful and stunning and perfect. And so Helen, it has been since 2009, I've done nothing with the song because we never really finished it. Then I ended up moving to Mexico and then I moved around before coming here. But last year, as you know, I started this real self-love movement when I finally came out with my whole story in my book. And I said, this is, this is the time I need to bring that song out. Definitely. And sure enough, I met this musician who recreated the music track because I couldn't connect with the, the guy who did it for us originally. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. I was like, okay, I'm going to get up my courage. This is the only time courage has come in. It's like, get past this fear, get past comparing myself with how beautiful her voice is. I just have to do it because this song is the, my favorite song I've ever written and I want to do it. And so I sang it live once last year at one of my real self-love days and I didn't die. <laughs> Nobody stoned me and told me to never sing again. So I had made this commitment like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to really focus on music. Then I met a couple of other people who were just like pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. But back to February 2019, I get this message that as it's an earth year and the earth is about harvesting, it's about bringing all of who we are to the fore. Mm -hmm. I remember leaving that webinar going, all of me, huh? And then looking at 2012, singing and the film, hmm, the two things that inspire me the most, I will do it. And then I got some really tough news. I can't even tell this story without tearing up. The very person who invited me to come to the South of France back in 2005, Dr. Tedford, um, who created this whole company of continuing education at sea, 
he always booked the most amazing talent on his cruise ships. And I had sung, I think the third time I cruised with him, I sang once <laughs> and he was like, you really should sing more. Now, mind you, Helen, this guy has had, in addition to Maricel, the beautiful singer I told you about, he's had people like Patti LaBelle, like some really like icons of music and entertainment. But the last time that I talked to Ted Ford, you know, he was in the US and we we're talking about how his company's evolved. He said, you know, my next event, I'm gonna have you come sing. And unfortunately, in February, he took his own life. And it just completely devastated me. Yeah. I had known that he was struggling with depression and the nature of his business had changed and he was struggling to get it back up and running, but it just kind of floored me. And it's kind of crazy, but it won't be crazy to you, I'm sure. <laughs> it was kind of crazy to me. I was talking to one of our other mutual friends, Kitty, Kate Waters, yeah. and we were just kind of getting caught up. And it was the day after I found out about his passing. So I wasn't in the greatest of moods. And I just sort of said, Kitty, I'm really sorry. Um, I know we're supposed to meet today. I said, I'm not really creative right now, but you know, let's at least connect. I want to keep honor our appointment. And when I told her about uh, Dr. T's passing, she said, oh, I can feel him. <laughs> his, I can feel his presence. And I didn't know that Kitty had that gift. And neither did I. And as I was telling her, it hit me. I remembered that the last words he said to me was, at my next event, I'm going to have you sing. And... As I'm telling this to Kitty, she says, oh, Andrea, you've got to do it. Yeah. And then I could hear him and, and almost see his presence standing behind her saying, you've got to sing now. <laughs> and <laughs> I guess the dog agrees. <laughs> say, that's appropriate timing from your beautiful dog. Oh, my goodness me. And so the very, um, the very next three days later, I think, I, I decided to go live on Facebook, as you know, I want to do. And I said I had to honor his memory. It was right after Valentine's Day. And so I sang my funny Valentine. I didn't quite make it all the way through. I definitely was teary. But it was at that moment that I said, okay, how many more signs from the universe do I need? How many more people do I need to tell me, okay, you're meant to sing? Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of like the last major turning point or the most recent turning point for me. And yeah, so here I am. I am now preparing um, to share my next TEDx. Yeah. I've sat down with my new uh, documentary film team. I've got music in the works. And yeah, the, here I am. I'm now sharing all of me as my authentic self. And who knows what's going to come next, but yeah, yeah. But there we are. And how does it feel to, to share that? 
um, this is the first time in a long time I felt fear. I'll be honest. Mm. But I'm again, I'm so convinced. I don't, <laughs> you know, having a spirit who just passed on tell me, yeah, you need to sing now. Yeah. It's like, okay, I, I get it. I, I mean, there have been many messages over the last two years, but I'm like, I get it. I will do it. I will not continue to say no. I will not continue to hide or suppress or deny what I'm, what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And music has always been a love of mine. It's been my passion. Um, and, you know, like so many other people, what has held me back is comparing myself to others. Yeah. Thinking I'm not as good as, and it's not about that. It's about the energy and the vibration and what transmits through us, yeah. through music, the sound and the, yeah, the frequencies of healing and love. So, Definitely. so that's where I am as of right now. Wow. That's, that is so powerful. What I love about where you are now is that not only does it bring all these different threads and elements together, um, I, love, I love how it ties in with something much bigger. You know, you talked about Nick Haynes, who I'm really grateful that you introduced me to as well, because his capacity to really explain the concepts of Chinese medicine and make them applicable to life and really dig, dig deep. It's this year, this year is digging deep. I keep, I keep using those words without even thinking about it, but yeah, his, his capacity to dig deeper into that and, and explain the cycles in life that, you know, in Chinese medicine, they're quite a big thing, especially seven year cycles, eight year cycles. And, um, you know, as, as much as it's taken you time to get to this point, there is also a greater pattern to it, a greater logic to it. I kind of also love that you've shared that even though you have got to this point that feels like the culmination and an expression of so much that you've been through, that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't some fear around it. And, and um, you know, I can relate to that because I think there's something around really taking ownership and really stepping into expression of what you feel you're here to bring that can bring up that thing of, but what, but what if, you know, like, what if it's crap or what if I stink or what if yeah. this just doesn't work? Because then where, you know, where do you go with that? What do you do with that? Because you're really putting your heart out there on a plate for everybody to see and it's it's just yeah it's it's the ultimate expression outward expression of vulnerability isn't it yeah (laughs) completely yeah but I love that you're doing that and I I didn't know you were sitting on a song about Mm -hmm. self-love you know given how incredible your self-love movement has been I mean that started out was it last year? It was last year when I published the book, I Love You, Me. I mean, to be honest, I did try to get it off the ground back in 2009, I think, when I first wrote the song. And I actually, we did an event in Washington, D.C. Um, for women who were um, recovering from domestic abuse and we got together. We did, you know, speaking and makeovers and the music was meant to be part of it. 
It didn't go beyond Washington, D.C., but last year with the release of my book, I wanted to create as many free resources for people as possible yeah. from not just my perspective, but lovely people like you doing interviews and masterclasses, having downloads of music, uh, meditations, and you know, just a ton of resources, plus a safe community mm. where people could share and connect and finally feel like they have a tribe who is going to accept them, not judge them, and allow us the space to finally embody our authentic self. Yeah. So we started the Real Self Love Movement last year. We did host a couple of events, um, launched the online platform, and now I feel like I'm really ready <laughs> to, to share it with a global audience this year. Yeah, amazing. Because it has, it's taken on a life of its own. It definitely feels, it feels very powerful as well. Yeah. So if you have a sense of the legacy you want to leave behind, which you may or may not do, but I have a feeling you do. Where would you say you, you are with that? Do you think this is the year you start to really sow vital, vital seeds for that legacy? Or do you think you've already done a lot of that sowing of seeds? I think there have been a few seeds, you know, scattered. But I do feel like there is a certain official oomph going into what I'm creating and manifesting this year. So there are two things that I feel like, whether they are the, the legacy pieces or not, I think we're moving in that direction. And it is about harvesting and bringing together all of me. Yeah. So for my left brain medical and acupuncture side, um, I founded a company called Innate Vitality yeah. to finally sort of share with the world some of the research and some of the art of what it means to reclaim your vitality. You know, as you already know with your training and background, the human body, the human spirit, we come with an innate code that allows our body and brain to recover yeah. and return to vitality. We can recover from illness, injury, infection, setbacks, heartbreaks, breakdowns. We have this internal natural code in the West, we call it homeostasis, like mm -hmm. your body will return to its baseline of good health. And I realized that your mind, body, spirit, your relationships and your relationship to your environment can put you in a state where you are optimally uh, ready to thrive, to yeah. flourish. And so Innate Vitality is now this multimedia platform that will include physical products like supplements and teas and whatevers and um, research-backed fitness protocols and all sorts of things like that. So Innate Vitality will have all of these sort of resources, but not, again, not just for me, but reaching out to functional medicine, coaches, doctors, um, medical doctors, acupuncturists, healers of all types mm. so that there's one place where people can really appreciate the myriad number of ways that we can return to that state of vitality. So that's one piece that I feel like whether or not it's the legacy piece, I feel like it's a, an important part for me to finally be able to, to stand in the media and say, this is truly what I believe we need to do for healing. Definitely. And I do believe that the real self love movement which also includes music and films and meditations and meetups uh, and this community 
will be part of the legacy as well, because I think that's something that once we help other people to embrace that real self-love, then they are going to spread that. And that ripple effect is what will leave a lasting impact in the world. And it, it won't necessarily be tied to me per se, because again, we'll have multiple people sharing on that platform. But I feel like that's part of my, my gift or my duty to provide that for the world. Beautiful. I love that. I love the, I just love the sense of possibility. You know, I'm big, I'm big into possibility. <laughs> I love the sense of hope and possibility that both of those things offer to the world. I think you are an amazing spokeswoman. Everything really that you've been through has prepared you and equipped you yeah. and given you connections as well that can help you and support you. And um, I'm really excited for you. I'm really excited Thank for you. what you're doing, <laughs> genuinely, and just, yeah, honoured, honoured to kind of bear witness to it. Well, you're a part of it, my friend. I know, yeah. it's great. <laughs> Thank you, universe. <laughs> yes. So I'm really, really grateful as well. I feel like for the first time, I really get to put all of me to work. Yeah. And that is truly a gift after feeling like a mi misfit um, like a weirdo, um, I finally feel like I can just be my full self, the weird nerdy girl, the woo-woo doctor, the spiritual advisor or explorer. And so it feels good. It feels yeah. good. And I get to connect with such beautiful souls like you and, and Kitty and Nick and Derry and all the other real self-love movement people, the, the leaders. So it's a gift. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a gorgeous community. Yeah. So thank you. That feels like a really gorgeous place to bring this conversation to a close. Mm. However, please do share where people can find out more. Where's the best place for them to find you? You can learn about the real self love movement, join the community and get all the free resources by visiting realself.love. And you can learn about um, my publishing and media production agency. We had the good pleasure of being able to publish your book and my book and so many others. Yeah, for which I'm very grateful. As am I. <laughs> uh, just visit makeyourmarkglobal.com. And if you are interested in the health healing aspects, then visit innatevitality.com. And that, that's I-N, the number eight vitality innate vitality.com thank you andrea thank you so so much for this such a gift gorgeous gift i i wish we could talk for longer but we'll we will up. another time yes <laughs> yeah. thank you thank you for your time your presence your openness and your willingness to share thank you thank you for creating the space for us i'm really excited to see um how we work together and how this community flourishes by giving people these these opportunities to work with you and other other people yeah over a longer period i i think that's what we all need um it's nice to get a little burst of inspiration here and there but having that continuity of a wise guide like you is really a gift so thank you likewise thank you <laughs> <laughs> until next time till next time Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Turning Point Project. 
If you found this episode useful, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast as it really makes a difference and will only take a moment. If you'd like to continue the conversation or ask me any questions, come and connect with me over on Instagram at Helen Rebello Author or join the free magical life movement at HelenRebello.com. Have a gorgeous, gorgeous day and I'll catch you in the next episode.